0: What is up? Good morning, good afternoon, and good night to you folks. Hey, hey, hey. I have my good friend, Mr. Adam Glass, on today's show, and he is a, wow, force of nature. This guy is something else, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Let me tell you, Mr. Adam Glass, he's, um, man, I'm so glad our, our, our paths crossed. And um, he is a bucket of wisdom. We talk a lot about getting up off your ass and making it happen. Um, I know a lot of people get stuck in those ruts or they get stuck in like negative mindsets or in their bad groups. Um, not necessarily bad groups, friend groups or anything like that, but it it seems a lot of times when you want to start something new, something fresh, you got a lot of people telling you no, and he kind of gives insight to why Adam is a fitness coach. He's really well known in the grip strength. This guy, man, oh, this dude can do pinch pull-ups. And, um, if you don't know what that is, he can, um, literally pinch a bar and do the pull up, do a muscle up pinching it. It's insane. He does like pinch deadlifts. He bends metal and stuff with his mind. No, I'm just bullshitting. He bends it with his uh, bare hands. He's a beast, man. He's uh, he's really uh, something else. And I really hope you guys can uh, get a little something from him. Um, hey, thanks for tuning in. Let's get going. Papa Eagle. So, um, you were, we were just talking about, um, what do you call it? Uh, about podcast and like, uh, like starting the product and stuff like, like, or how'd you, how'd you word it? You said, uh, more so just, um, like stressing about like being this perfect thing and, um, not ever getting to getting the work done or getting the work started, which is, um, really, um, I think that that keeps a lot of people like kind of standing, still yes yes and um never getting around to doing anything <laughs> and um i mean I've, I've been guilty of it many times um and I've, I've bounced around um from not just this podcast but many other things in life it's a it's it's something i feel like a lot of people deal with
1: so you know I'll, um the thing i want to open with for anyone who gets the distinctive opportunity to enjoy this wonderful broadcast okay Here's the deal, guys, it's, it's going to be the same in almost anything that we're about to talk about so I could, I could open up this and say if you're going to do podcast, but it's the same if you were going to do any kind of website, literally any kind whatsoever, any kind of book. Um, if you were planning on starting your own business and it doesn't matter if it's lawn care or uh, uh, just man, pick something here's the deal guys. In my observations, okay, and in my experience, when I've had success, I've had the most success when I jumped in, started doing things, started making a mess, and I, I focused on doing whatever I could do in the beginning. So my very first website that I ever set up was in 2006. I didn't know, any, I, and you got to understand, bro, I literally understood the internet almost nothing mm-hmm. because for me it was a thing where uh i was in a service 2001 to 2010 mm-hmm. and during my time when you look at 2001 to 6 for me man i was just hyper into it you yep. know what i mean the guy who slept not literally but you know slept in his bdus and yeah you know, i was <laughs> i was always i was happy yep. to put on my PT gear and run mm-hmm. the target. If I, I didn't care. Yeah. I just wanted to do my thing. Yeah. So when I first got on the web, I, bro, I didn't know anything about embedding videos. I didn't know mm-hmm. anything about, you know, what, uh, uh editing anything. Yeah. I wow. would just start making posts. And what was amazing was there was just raw. It was so raw. I'm, I'm putting out stuff and every day I would simply post what I had done for my fitness that day. That's it. Yeah, maybe, maybe a a summary of exercise or work done or a little video. And over time, I added to it and I added to it. And then a couple of years later, I I ported all of that over. Well, and I say I, I meant I had a guy do the port for me to move it from one site to another. And I kept building and building and I had it to a point where it was a pretty good traffic for for being what it was. Mm -hmm. And then in 2011, excuse me, 12, I had lost the server. So I had a problem with the person who was maintaining a server rather than go through some kind of big, long deal to get the site. I just didn't even care. I said, whatever I I built it. I can. Um, and what I found is when I went to build it again, I had it in my head that I got to do all these things.
2: (laughs) Mm Yeah.
1: And, and I, I just look back to every time I've had success, um, any business I've ever started, any product I've ever built, it worked best to just get in and get and not be so, cause here's the deal guys, the person who's going to tell you all the things you need to do for your product typically won't pay you. Mm-hmm. So, so the guy who's telling you that you need yeah. the flashy banner. Yeah. It's like, are you going to put any money in on that?
0: Yeah. You
1: know, the yeah. guy who says that it should be a better soundtrack. Well, I mean, are you going to put any money on that? Yeah. And uh, I think you're going to have huge success. And, and the real, real success is not what other people think about it. Mm-hmm. Real success is going to be, if it's doing for you, what you had in your mind to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm quite certain it's going to work. Quite yeah.
0: Certain. Yeah. And um, you know, it's, it's too, like you're, I've heard it said this way before too. Like it's like taking advice on how to make money from someone who's broke, you know, like if you want to get into, I'm just, we'll just use podcasting, right? So like once I get this thing moving and stuff, if I want to fine tune things, I'm going to start as I develop being in that inner circle of other podcasters and stuff and, you know, taking and giving things um, within those circles with other people that are actually doing the work as well and having that success. And, you know, that will hopefully maybe contribute to my own success in this. I mean, the overall, I guess also uh, to be, just to clarify, like my overall goal, for this too is of course i do want success in it but you know i want i want this to be genuine just to be clear just putting that out there um i want i want to have i, I enjoy doing this i enjoy like i was saying i can't shut the fuck up like i love to talk and i love talking to awesome people so but yeah 100 percent. you know you, you, we get caught up in these these webs it's a i'm sure you've heard it, the bucket of crabs where yeah. um where oh, like yeah. when one crab tries to ex- escape you know there's there's all the other crabs pull pull it back down if you don't know what bucket of crabs is so basically um anybody listening if you if you see a bucket full of crabs there'll be one little outlier that tries to escape but every time with no fail the rest of the crabs will pull it back down
1: because they're um, it's a solution to fishing guys if you have one bucket and you catch one crab if you throw one crab in a bucket he will probably be able to climb out Mm -hmm. but if you put four crabs in a bucket none of them can get out because every single time one of them is high enough to where they get leverage to pull out the ones at the bottom are going to grab him to start trying to climb over and then they all come back down Mm -hmm. um it's it's very it's funny because it very much is is where i think that's where a lot of what you know and i'll keep it limited to america i don't really know what kind of problems some of the rest of the world is facing. But I'll say this, America is an amazing place because you can do whatever you want to do. But for most people, they just use that time to focus and talk about what they can't do. yeah. And and how dangerous when you get yourself a couple of little buddies around you who all agree that not only can you not do it, but they can't do it and he yeah. can't do it. And uh, they will become a fortress of can't do's. Yeah, You, you will not get out. You have to, you really have to have a hard look at, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a thing I, I've, seen, I've seen people do memes on this. I'm trying to remember who I heard say it first because I, I distinctly remember the first time I've heard it. I can't remember the name, but it, it was one of those, if you have an ambition that there's something you want to accomplish and it really matters to you, one of the most important things for you to do, listen closely friends, is not tell your family and not tell your friends. Um, And it is because when you have nothing on the table, Mm. you'll see that everybody wants to start messing with it. Mm. But if you go to them with something already done, you'll find that many of them are supportive. So that's the key difference is if I go, you know, if I go to some guys that, that know me right now and I say, you know, guys, I'm thinking about starting the lawn care service. Well, It'd be really easy to point out that, okay, so dude, you're going to need to get you a truck. You're going to need a trailer. You're probably going to need a zero turn, probably going to need a new leaf blower, probably a better weed whip on and on. It'd be so easy to, to point out everything that they would tell me I need to start. But if I told you, bro, you know, for the last three weekends, I've just been throwing my lawnmower deck in the back of my Ford Fusion. And i Hit a couple streets and I knock on doors and I offer to mow their front lawn and I tell them I'll have it done for them in 15 minutes and it'll be this mu- this amount of money and I've been making money every week and look at what I've already got. It's a lot easier for you than then say, well, hey man, that's pretty cool. You know, mm-hmm. what do you think you'll do next? Mm-hmm. So, so that would be what I'd want any person hearing this that has any desire for anything that they want to create. Mm-hmm. Don't talk about anything until there's actually something for you to talk about. Yeah. And it's, it, you'll find people, people are not in the way as much as they'll be. And remember it's, it's not strangers who are going to give you a lot of bullshit. It's, it's going to be your, it's going to be the people who know you. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of the times if you really want to find out what the people who know you think about you, go tell them you're starting a new business and yeah. you'll find out, <laughs> you'll find out really quick. If you actually have a good idea of how they understand you.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. I've been in that boat.
1: <laughs> A yes, few sir. Times.
0: Yep. I, I know how that goes. Um, it builds character for sure.
1: <laughs> and, uh, you know, and that's the thing I'll tell you, what, if, if there's any three gifts I could give you anyone hearing this right now, here would be the three gifts. Number one, this is something me and Papa Panther both have done. You go get yourself into some kind of direct sales opportunity. Now, let me be clear. What I really need for you to do is go out and find out what it's like to ask every person who you think you have an influence over to try to do anything at all, be it to buy your cheapest product or to sit down and listen to your sales pitch Mm -hmm. or to sit down and maybe observe some of your company media. It's not that I think that many of you would succeed. I actually think almost none of you would succeed. I, I really don't believe in most people's ability to do it, but I totally believe in a business model. I hope mm-hmm. that doesn't like too much of a contradiction. Mm-hmm. The, the, if the company exists and you can look and see that they have millions of dollars in revenue, it will tell you that the company can work. If you find that you can't do anything with it, the first thing, the first crossroad for you is going to be, uh, is it, are you the problem or is there system a problem? Mm -hmm. And uh, (laughs) you'll probably find that you're the problem. Mm -hmm. Will you change? Mm -hmm. Uh, I was astonished, you know, man, for me. Uh, Me and the wifey operated a direct sales business for five years. And the only reason we stopped was the company had changed their compensation plan. Yeah. Basically, they took it away from being what it was. So um, I don't feel that it was a failure on our end. I feel that it was nothing but Uh, being paid to learn a lot of things over a period of time. But here's what I learned that really changed how I interact with people. Most people, most of you Americans are actually so unimpressive in your ability to influence and convince that you might not be able to retail a $20 product. Mm. And and for some of you guys, I tell you what, if you want to succeed, you got to swallow that pill, then you got to figure out why is that? Rather, you know, like it was astonishing to me, my man, when I met people who could not retail a $20 product, but they had it in their head that if somebody handed them, you know, we'll go back to that laundry example. They can't sell a $20 product, but they really believe that if they had the truck, the trailer, the zero turn, all Mm -hmm. the equipment that they could run it. And it's like, if you can't manage something so tiny, how yeah. do you think you're going to do so well when you have to manage all the elements of it oh yeah 100 you got to be able to do the
0: little things first like you, you get it, if you want to what's the saying if you want to eat an elephant one bite at a time or something like that like you one bite at a time i there's,
1: mean there's no other way to do it
2: yeah
0: yeah it's so i, I wanted to with with all that you're saying i want to i want to kind of know um a little bit more about your journey i know you were um military we you're Talking a little bit about that, like how did, because I know you weren't always this, you were, you, you, you started somewhere, and then you got to here, and you, you became a pull-up king, you know, like um, this, this, like you're an inspiration, man, when I look at your, your your YouTube videos and stuff, I'm like, holy cow, man, this guy is killing it, bending, (laughs) bending uh, crescent wrenches, and (laughs) ripping phone books, like it's, like, was that, Always part of the plan. Like,
1: how did how did it all manifest into? No, no, and and, and you know, just like the last thing we talked about, there would have been no way to get here except the way that I did, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. there, there's no other way in. So, yeah. so for me, I uh, grew up in Detroit, Michigan, and the most distinctive moment that that really kind of kicked everything in the direction it went in for me, in some ways is we could start to point at the 96 NAFTA decision. Okay. Mm. So when NAFTA hit Detroit, Michigan, was particularly crushed yeah. by the elements of that legislation. And, Here's, and just,
0: just, to, just to specify too, NAFTA, NAFTA was trade deals in uh, Detroit. They had um, like GM and a lot of big motor companies up there and it really affected a
1: lot of those jobs. Is that, is that right? Oh yeah, so guys, here here's some try to imagine. So if you could if you could imagine the year 1992, 93, in 92 or 93, we would be going to see a Tigers baseball game at the old stadium, and you're driving down Woodward Avenue, which is kind of the the heart of the uh, business, economic, and entertainment part of Detroit. And when you'd hit a red light. You look to your left, you look to your right, you look out in front of you, brand new cars. Mm -hmm. You pull into a restaurant in Detroit. One of the big Mm -hmm. things we got there is we got Coney Islands everywhere. They're kind of uh, little diners. You get a hamburger, you get a hot dog, you get some chili, whatever. Mm -hmm. You, You pull in there, okay? And even the lady who's serving you coffee, I bet she's driving a pretty new car. Just, it was a very different economic situation in Detroit, When I was in middle school, we would have uh, reps come in from the various auto companies and they would just highlight their business because they knew Mm -hmm. that we were an upcoming group of new workers for them. By the time I was a junior in high school, there were no auto reps coming to my school or any of the schools around us. And that's because already in that short period of time, you had had several plants started to move more work into Canada and Mexico. Plants were closing. By the time you get to 2000, you had had a number of places close or they were more or less uh, in a hiring lock. So it's not that they were saying that the guys here today won't have a job tomorrow, but they're also completely disinterested in hiring anybody else. So I knew by the time I was a junior in high school that I would go into the service. And what had happened was, is I did my initial set of assessments to be enlisted. So you guys, you got to go take a test and you got to go get a physical. Everything was going really good until my eye exam. My eye exam came back. Very, very, very poor vision. Um, There was was really going to be no way that they were going to be looking at waiving that either. Just with the current state of things, there was no major war going on. There were no real conflicts. They actually were doing a little bit of a drawdown throughout the various branches. And then September 11th happened. Mm -hmm. And uh, that I went from being uh, ineligible to enlist to being at basic training in a couple of weeks. That's how fast the Surgeon General's waiver Mm -hmm. came back around for my vision. So went into the service. Um, My first duty station after I got through training was in the Dakotas. Uh, And that was amazing to me because it was completely the opposite of what I thought it was going to be. It was, it was a hundred percent. And that was the first big moment where I'd say that things started to go a certain way for me. When I got to my first duty station, I looked at the people around me and I had a feeling that many of them were just wasting their time going through the motions, doing just enough, um, I remember the words that I probably heard the most coming out of the people around me. My first year of active duty outside of training was you hear hear them say like you know never volunteer for anything.
0: Yeah. Th- yeah, those kind of things.
1: So I just decided that I was going to become the opposite of all those people. I considered all of them broke dick. I considered them lame. Yeah. I considered them to be parasitic. So I took uh, the first thing I grabbed onto my, was my fitness my job knowledge, my job proficiency, and then all of your other <clears throat> associated elements that just make you good to have around. Yep. Um, so I started getting selected to go to training schools, whereas other people were bitching about how they felt that you know the system's not fair. They had been here longer than me. Why did I get to go? And one of the answers would be because you're fucking weak.
2: Mm-hmm. I can go
1: to the school. I can do the running and the pushups and the pullups and go all day. You can't. Mm -hmm. Um, I was able to get out of the Dakotas in in under 13 months. So I got there, got orders to South Korea, um, went to South Korea, showed up. And the same thing, just having a particular attitude, showing up in a particular level readiness, Mm -hmm. uh, I got moved right into a special duty, Mm -hmm. which was really, really good for me. And then leaving Korea to my next place, I now had the ball rolling behind me. So Mm -hmm. for the amount of time I've been in service, I had just had a more amount of training within my career field than people that had been in the same amount of time. That started to give me more and more opportunities to be able to just try some things that you don't normally get to do. Yeah. So I was having, man, I, I was just having a lot more experience than I figured I was gonna get. In 2005, I had my first trip over to the big sandbox. Yeah. While I was over there, the job that I was doing Um, definitely a good job, but it was extremely particular for the scheduling. It wasn't that I didn't have any time. It was that the only time I had time was at about the same time every day. So I, I got myself into a bit of a loop of, you know, you get off work, get some food, Mm -hmm. do some training, get your shower and get your ass in bed. And my training was going really good, but it was, it was getting boring for me. And that is when I started looking at some of the weirder stuff that I get into now, the strongman side, the grip training, steel bending. Mm -hmm. So I started doing a little bit when I was there, came back from that deployment. I only sat at the home station for four months and then I was right back out the door again. So odd for a year back in out for another year during the second year, that job was at a prison and that one shifted a lot of things over because just seeing how different the the conflict in iraq looked from the two different sides Mm -hmm. so the one side of it seems like we're out doing all these good things every day Mm -hmm. um, it can it can leave you feeling really good like i came back from my first deployment and i felt really good about it yeah but i came back from my second deployment feeling kind of shitty about it all it Mm -hmm. just looks so different yeah and, and I knew coming out of my second deployment. So I was back um, to my duty station by about late April, no, excuse me, late August. So it was the end of summer. And then my orders came in to go amazingly back to the Dakotas in October. So I get back into North Dakota in 2007. And bro, I already know I'm gonna be getting out of this thing. Now I was already in E6. So Mm -hmm. E-6 in six years in the Air Force is really, really fast. Um, And a lot of times they're going to tell you that you're at a decision point when you get promoted like that, because you're coming up so fast, it is likely that you could be doing a lot better out in the private sector on the, you know, the so-called real world. If you stay in, it can be very easy to get locked in really quickly So at the same time that this all was going on, they had a new command stand up inside the DOD. Um, The Air Force moved to moving all nuclear assets under one big umbrella command. Well, here's the problem with that. They said, everybody that was an E6 and above, you're gonna receive a code. That personnel code is gonna keep you tracked inside this nuclear command because we need more specialists that that know about these things. That was exactly what I didn't wanna be doing. I mean, it was, it was 100% giving me the offer that I didn't wanna deal with. So I was looking for everything I could do to not get stuck in this damn nuclear command. So I got myself moved over to training. Uh, that was probably my, my last three years of service were definitely my best ones because my days were filled with lecture, field exercise, uh, developing people, yeah. I had, I had a big hands and all the training for a group of over a thousand people. During that time, I opened my first gym in the Dakotas. And then, uh, I filmed two digital products while I was still in service. I had them set up where they were going to release the week that I would, uh, exit service. So the first product came out right when I started my terminal leave. And one weekend, it grossed like $25,000 in just a couple hours.
2: Wow. The next
1: next product came behind it. That was just a little bit more than that. But I had more people involved in the profit split on the second one. So from there, I moved to Minneapolis, opened up my gym, went to a lot more digital products, went to a lot more training. Uh, I was doing live performances, demonstrations. I was doing live classes. I was keeping all that moving around. And the big problem for during that whole time was actually my health. So from a head injury that I had in Iraq in 2007, here I am in 2010 and 11 and I'm having absolutely unbelievable migraines. In 2012, I was admitted into the Minneapolis VA hospital maybe 70 times, maybe 80 times, I don't even know. They they knew me before I even like, like normally when you go and you kind of see different people at a VA hospital yeah. and they're all friendly, but. You always feel like a stranger in there. They they knew me. Yeah, it would be so often having to come in, and uh, it it became it became very challenging because even though all the things that I thought I wanted to do were going well, I felt like my health was degrading, and I felt so young. I was still under thirty at this point, so everything shifted in twenty thirteen. I went down to Jamaica and I was in Jamaica for a week and it was the first stretch of seven days. in I mean, man, six years that I didn't have a terrible migraine and that cued me in that if I would move, then maybe it could be different. Like maybe the problem is, is more locally specific to where I'm at. It doesn't have to be this way all the time. Mm -hmm. So I left from Minnesota. I came down to Texas. I had a friend who lived in Argyle, he uh, offered me a place to stay i stayed there for a couple weeks felt really good i went out to tampa florida i was out there for a short period of time florida did not feel good uh, even though florida's pretty solid on their weather you could predict what the temperature's going to be like you also get a lot of storm systems coming through no good for me came back to texas and uh, so since i've been back in texas 2014 I've been to an ER zero times for a migraine. Awesome. I've had a, wow. I've had a couple, yeah, man. I mean, huge, huge change. So I said, I was gonna give you guys three things. I gave you the first one. Here's the second one. Most of the time when you can't get something done, before you assume that there's no way it's going to work, you have to double check if, if the problem is how you're setting it up. Mm-hmm. Like for me, I really wanted to build this this gym thing, this fitness thing. I wanted to help people. And then I hit a point where I felt like I was losing it all. And I can look back and tell you, if I would have moved earlier, I would have been able to take more of that with me. But I was selling chunks of it off going through 2013, Mm -hmm. uh, not really knowing what was even going to happen to my ass because I was getting so much worse. You know, I hit a point I didn't want to deal with clients. I didn't want to deal with really just a lot of things. Mm -hmm. So I'll tell you this is that if you're someone who feels like a situation could be better, if you moved, move, move right away. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Guy, if you, especially for you, for you people who, if you live somewhere and you hate the weather, like we're down here in beautiful Texas. Okay. If you hate hot, you shouldn't be in Texas. Texas is fucking hot. (laughs) Uh, If you hate cold, you shouldn't be in Minneapolis or Detroit or, the dakotas because it's going to be cold and it, it's really key to remember that you can move mm-hmm. i hear people say things because of my family well here's my first question i always ask them how many times you see your family because mm-hmm. i know people bro that they tell me that they hate being here in dfw for whatever reason i don't know why i love it personally but they hate it but they say they can't move and i say why yeah. well my mom and dad are here And I ask them, when was the last time you specifically saw them? And they always list a holiday. Yeah. Well, that's a pretty dumb and weak reason to be walking around complaining all the time because you could go wherever you think you need to go next and fly home for the holidays or fly them up to you. I don't know. Yeah. That'd be the second thing, guys, is, man, don't get stuck somewhere and make up this bullshit that Mm -hmm. you're staying because of your family. No, you're not. You're staying because you're afraid. Mm -hmm. You need to stop being afraid. Mm Get out there, yeah. And it, obviously, I've
0: I've lived around the country and lived overseas and stuff like this. And uh, you know, honestly, I think a lot of people, and I'm just speaking from my experience, I think a lot of people would find it a lot more exciting once they get over that fear lump. Like, especially like if your excuse is like, "Well, I'll be away from my family," and you only see your family during the holidays. Well, dude, let me tell you, like, I've actually when when it gets around the holidays to for me to go see my family. Like it's, it's nice to get out of town, you know, it's nice to go somewhere new. And uh, especially if you can afford to and all those things. And actually when you do get the opportunities to go home or a better example, uh, like the best example is my brother right now, he was in Japan for about three years and now he's in England and um, all my wife's family is uh, uh, over in England. And let me tell you, when, when I see my brother, like I cherish that that shit is like gold now and it's like it it almost gives mm-hmm. it another level of appreciation oh yeah if that makes any sense at all but that's, that's oh, yeah a, if you
1: guys live next door you could always go see him and you could end up not seeing him for about the same amount of times you don't see him now mm-hmm. yep
0: yep yeah it's so awesome uh, I'll oh sorry um i was now you're good. Uh, what, what, was your,
1: what was your third thing? Or did you? So, did you... so that's kind of the, what got me here. So here's the third thing. Here's the important thing. Okay. Um, I do not believe in. I don't believe somebody can be truly amazing at this one thing in their life and then be totally shit at all the others. Okay. And I also don't know if you can be just totally shit in one area of your life, but then be so good at the others. So I'm saying the same thing twice. What do I mean by that? The way you do anything is probably the way you do everything. Mm-hmm. The, the, the thing about people in America is this. So Ty, do you know when most, that there's, there's a 72 hour window, mm-hmm. when most people will, will move the most amount of money that they've ever moved? It'll, it'll be the biggest cash flow change they ever do in their entire existence. Do you know when that is? Um, I'm guessing it's going to be closing on a house. That's a really solid guess. Mm-hmm. And that is for probably some people very close to it. But here's what the biggest one is. Most people's last four to six days of being alive, oh, wow. they will extinguish almost all of their money. Wow. Huge, huge, huge costs start coming come yeah. up. Now, now, one of the things that's interesting about that is most people do not spend that much care and time and, and legitimate effort taking care of themselves in a way that would matter mm-hmm. up until they start to hit those kind of windows. Mm-hmm. So the thing I want to talk about today is that I think will make the biggest change for people is just to try to help get a perspective shift. Because in America, we have this crazy time right now you know, everybody seems to be so afraid of a disease that barely kills anybody. And meanwhile, like it's crazy to me, Ty, to see people that are morbidly obese in the store wearing a face mask. And I'm going to tell you why. Morbid obesity is a guaranteed ticket in America right now to cancer, diabetes, heart disease, uh, uh, bone and joint problems, various muscular issues that will be all pain related. Everything I'm saying, guys, the end, the end message is you're going to be in fucking pain, 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 pain. And if you are not currently in pain, especially if you're kind of young, like if you're under 40, mm-hmm. you, you, you probably don't appreciate how much pain your body can put you in Yeah. that like you, you just really probably can't even comprehend just quite yet how much you could hurt. Okay. And, and how much of that will ultimately be in your hands? Yep. So for me, one of the amazing things is so've been I've been training people fitness wise bro since maybe like actively taking their money to provide them a fitness service 2007, 2008. so mm-hmm. I'm, you know a couple decades in it now. And here's what I, I'm astonished by. People will be very happy to buy the equipment but they don't want to use it they'll they'll buy into the service but they want to find the problem they will they will use a lot of effort for two weeks and then they'll tell you all the problems with it Mm -hmm. and the big the big situation we're at is this for most americans most of the people who will ever hear this if they ever get the opportunity to you're already probably so out of shape today Mm -hmm. that we would need 12 months just to get you to the point of transitioning from you probably suck at everything physically that you try to be a an mediocre mm-hmm. and if that sounds like it's too long you're already out of the game but the thing you're not understanding is this if year one is to take you from you suck to are mediocre you guys gotta understand when we go from year two to three it could be taking you into elite because mm-hmm. ty I've never trained anybody who stuck with it for three years that didn't end up being at the highest percentage of ability for their age and categories yeah uh, I trained a young lady she <clears> wanted to get into playing tennis she was in her mid 30s her first day she ever picked up a tennis racket and within three years she and her training partner for the, they she played singles and doubles. At the end of the third year, she and her doubles partner captured the, um, the city-level award. And this is Minneapolis. You know, it's, it's a city of probably half a million. They got a pretty solid tennis program. She took first place for a division. Wow. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that, that's, that she's going to go uh, crush anybody at, at one of these national opens, not this year, but just think about that. To go from I've never played the game to be winning, beating everyone else in your city in three years is pretty phenomenal. Um,
0: Yeah.
1: I've seen people lose over 170 pounds in a three-year window where it all came off and then they didn't find it. Yeah, In three years, I've seen people go from They had some kind of injury where, you know, maybe their shoulder was in such banged up condition. They could barely lift a bag of dog food off the floor without excruciating pain Mm -hmm. to being able to put their entire body weight in pounds overhead in a barbell. Yeah. But but the deal is guys, it's going to take you two to three years. Minimal. What do you, what do you think it is? got a six week program. It's a waste of your time. Mm-hmm. And this would be, be the scenario i want everyone of you listening to understand. All right, let's say Papa Panther here is trying to get me to lose some weight. And he lines out for me this wonderful diet. And he's got me eating vegetables and fresh fruits and, and, and beautiful, healthy meats. All right. And I do that once per month. So once per month, I prepare the exact meal that I was laid out. But the other 29 days... I just eat a taco bell. Does it matter that I'm doing so good on the one day when I'm doing so badly on the 29 days? No, there's nothing that indicates doing one good day overrides 29 bad days. Mm -hmm. But here's the craziest part about it. When you add up the 20 or 30 years that this person was completely inactive, right? So how, you know, what, what is it like, uh, you're looking around 37, 3800 days over 11, 12 years. So, you know, up to 7,000 days of doing the wrong thing. In just 700 days, we could have you turned around if it was 700 consecutive. Mm. That's crazy. Yeah. You mean, to tell me that in 10% of the time we can overcome 90% of the disadvantage. There's almost no other area in life that you can do such a phenomenal turnaround in such a short period of time,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: you know what I mean? And try it, hey, go do clear bankruptcy tomorrow and tell me how many years it takes to get back on your feet. Yeah, yeah. Go go get married and then completely wreck your marriage with like gambling and adultery and tell me how many years it takes to fix it, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Go get a dog and starve it for the first month you have it and then tell me how many years it takes to get it out of that mode. You'll Mm -hmm. never fix these things. But Mm -hmm. amazingly, you can fix your body Mm-hmm. after years of neglect for a very short period of time and and so what what do you think it is you've
0: you've you were in korea I've, I've been to korea um i've been through europe and stuff and you, you look at some of these other i mean like i'm I'm gonna say this again this is just from my perspective but when i was in korea like i never saw anyone overweight it was very I didn't rare either. that, I, that it, it was very rare i, I mean i did see <laughs> maybe a onesie and twosie but it was like seeing like a full moon like it was it was like isn't, it never was really a thing, but in American culture, it's, it's a very different, uh, it's, it's very um, normal to see um, people that are out of shape, and then you have, like, these, um, I mean, I guess you could contribute some of it to us having as much freedom that we do have, freedom of speech, but, I mean, South Korea is a free place, uh, a lot of Europe is, uh, for, uh, has freedoms, like, what is it about America, though, where, like, you even have movements saying, like, where oh well, it's okay to be this way. Like it's it's all right. And for me, when I when I hear people say it, that to me, it's kind of like, well, you've never actually been strong before. Like you've actually you've never you've never experienced what it feels like to be able to pull yourself up over the barbell or uh, um, to go sprint or run. Um, for me, I love to run. Run 18 miles. Like yes, you, you know you know what I mean. That's that's what I get from that. But what what do you think it is inherently embedded in our american culture that has this like idea that that's okay like why why is it what do you think and these other like i said other free
1: places other free countries they they get it i'm really glad you asked that because so if i think about countries i've been in uh also you're in south korea um i never met a korean that was overweight the way an american can be overweight right? So guys, yeah. you know, I mean, obviously, you know, you'll meet, you'll meet some 50 and six year olds who might have a little bit of a belly going on, but they're, you don't meet morbidly obese people like that. In Japan, um, so in mainland Japan and Okinawa are, are pretty different from each other. They're, they're legally the same, but they're culturally quite different. In Okinawa, very, 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 very few obese people. I mean, like you just don't see it. It, w- it would stop you. If you were in a store and you were shopping and there would be, okay, now I'm going to walk by you. It would stop you in your tracks because you'd be like, holy crap, I never even seen one of those. Yeah. Um, in Canada, when I go visit Canada, I will say generally speaking, it's amazing because right across the border, a lot of the people seem to be leaner. Um, some parts of Mexico, it's interesting because like, okay, yeah. so in Texas, the Latino community has a true health crisis coming up. The projections say that when you look at female Latinos that are 16 to 24 right now in the year 2020, that 50% of them will have diabetes in 20 years. That's That's a death sentence on their community. And and the the crazy thing is, is, is down in Mexico, you do see some people that are more overweight compared to say, uh, Asia, but it still is nothing like here in the mainland. So what are the problems we have? just speculating, guys. The first one is, is that especially inside of even the smallest of cities in America, you have the ability to go from thought to taste in one quick decision, pretty much 24 hours a day. There's, there's always a gas station, a, a convenience machine. Nowadays, there's DoorDash and, and people who will bring the food to you. So the first thing is, is that there's always access there's just always access and the reasons that people can eat are so diverse. So I will give an example, you go into a Walmart or a any store right now on a Saturday morning, bro. Yeah. You're going to see little kids with their parents. You're going to hear the same story told two different ways. Version one, little Billy, if you quit crying right now, I'll get you ice cream on the way home. Yeah. Yeah. Version two, is little Billy, if you don't stop acting this way, you're not getting ice cream on the way home. Mm. So we see in both times, both act right, act wrong. The, the primary consequence is leading most of the time towards a food item, right? So that in turn is, becomes a comfort. Mm. You know, hey, mom and dad, I did a, a good a job today. I get ice cream, right? Yeah. Hey, mom and dad, I did do so good today. So I know you're not going to give me the ice cream, but what if I go do this? So in America, we use food as a way to celebrate. We use food as a way to pick yourself up when you're down. We use food as a way to pass the time. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, think about it's not much of a great gathering if you don't have something to give everybody who shows up, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and that's, that, that's the first part of where we're at. The second part of where we're at, is that in an effort to make people feel better about themselves, we quit telling the truth. Mm -hmm. Like, here's the deal. So for all my parents out there, if your kid is fat, here's the deal. No matter how PC or socially aware or woke you are, there's just (laughs) gonna be a little kid who was like me when I was a little kid and they're gonna pick on your little fat kid. Mm -hmm. That's just what's gonna, little kids are mean as shit. I don't know why people think little kids are nice. Little kids' (laughs) default setting is just above a little animal. And the amazing thing is they can be really sweet and then become great adults if you raise them right. But the default setting is this. When you're different, you're weak. Mm -hmm. So if all of us in the class are pretty skinny and this kid's fat, the the fat kid's gonna get picked on. Mm -hmm. For all the fat kids out there who got picked on, you know that's why you got picked on.
2: Mm -hmm. And the
1: thing is this. In the beginning, I can blame your parents, but man, by the time you're 16, 17, I'm just blaming you. And if you're old enough to dress yourself, then you're old enough to exercise
0: for real. Yeah, for sure. And I don't want to get off too much on a side note, but at that too, I do remember like when I was going through basic and stuff, like, like you said, if you're the weird kid or you're different, you know, you get picked on it's, it's like the same thing in basic, like when I was going through uh, boot camp, like I remember, like if you had any reason to stick out, you need to tighten that shit up and like fix it. So like if you were if you were the slowest runner, you need to not be the slowest runner. If you had some weird backstory, like where you came from, and yeah, you and, keep you that know, shit to yourself. Yeah, you, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like so, like um, yeah, that's 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 kind of um, that that kind of makes me think. I, I, I like that because that's um, it's it's. I lost my train of thought but yeah that's uh it's um it's it's a weird uh it's a weird conundrum that we've 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 let ourselves teach kids to i guess um i'll, I'll let you finish i'm, I'm losing you know
1: career. the thing is is i so tie. i really believe in my spirit man mm-hmm. okay that that each parent wanted the best for their kid. Now, it doesn't mean that they know what best is or they can provide it, but I think they do want it. And the the biggest thing is this. So for parents, here's where you guys are are really, um, you really got to think about this, okay? Your kids will rarely do what you say, but they are almost cursed to do what you do. So if you're someone who tells your kids it's important to eat healthy, but you don't do it, well, they're, they're listening yeah. more to what you're not doing than what you're saying. Yeah. If, if it's a priority to be healthy, they're going to know that because you're healthy. And the, the consequences of this are going to be big. Okay. Because here's the deal. You're probably hoping your kids are going to take good care of you. Yeah. But for some of you, you're raising kids where you're going to be taking care of them. Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm, I'm so glad, I'm so glad you say this. And it just, it just brought back what I was about to say before I lost my train of thought is so a couple things, right? My, um my dad said something, especially with kids, kids have very short attention spans. He said something the other day about my nephew, uh, my nephew that just moved to England. You know, he's, he's testing the waters, being a bad kid right now, you know, being a military brat. And um, he said something to me, he's like, you just need to tell your brother to grab grab Walter my nephew and just say hey you know what um, I love you me and mom and dad love you you know what right and wrong is and I think I think a lot of people need to hear that message sometimes and then just be like hey you know what you need to do and I support you and just fucking do the right thing and then not only that when you said that and man sorry that just that like really hit home for me when when I heard that because a lot of people, too, in this day and age have such a short attention span, and there's a lot more on that, but when you said um, about taking care of your parents, that was a, a huge transition in my life and how I kind of started coordinating how I wanted to do things and what my decisions ended up being, because if I'm not in good health, how the hell am I supposed to take care of somebody else? And it's the same it's, thing. It goes down to the badminton.
2: Mm -hmm. huge bro Mm -hmm.
0: and it it moves down to even the battlefield scenario like i tell soldiers this stuff all the time like dude if you if why aren't why didn't you show up to work today oh i didn't set my alarm clock or whatever the case is like dude like do you not understand like when you're not here like let's i always refer back to the battlefield right i'll tell these guys like even if it's something as simple as showing up to work on time to do whatever the hell we're doing i'll tell them like, when you don't show up, this is how serious this shit gets. Let's say we're on the battlefield. You don't show up. I'm out a gunner. And then the enemy comes. Then, then what the hell is going to happen? These things have life or death um, things. And we don't tend to take, think about these things, especially towards the end of life when we start to take care of our parents. And that's, that's a reality, right? <clears throat> that's, a, that's a huge reality. And I, I started considering that a few years back. was like, dude, all my moves also need to consider, like, I will be the one That's going to take care of my parents. And what is that going to look like? Who, what kind of person do I need to be to take care of my parents? And it's so hard to tell, like back to that attention span type thing. So when you're in your early twenties, even like teenage years, like that shit is not on your mind at all. You are trying to get your foot in the door, get through college, start up a business. You're in halfway through your military career or what, whatever the case may be, you're caught up in, in you and the things you want to do. But you're not focusing on things, the longevity of things like your health, your fitness, and which will overall in turn, you know, you're gonna be the one carrying that weight at the end of other people's roads. Like,
1: oh, and let me, let me point out a thing on that. So, okay, so my wife, her, her, her grandmother, um, she, she got a divorce and then got remarried. So I, I don't call him her grandpa, but maybe she does, but he's not her biological grandfather. Mm-hmm. So anyway, her grandmother passed away in 2014, the beginning of the year. Yeah. So her, her uh, she calls him her peepaw, but he, I guess, grandfather-in-law, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. So this man is like late 70s right now. He really won't take any kind of care of himself. But here's the problem. His dad lived to be late 80s and his dad's dad lived to be late 80s. And even if he sits around like a bump on the log for the next 10 years, he probably won't die. So where is he at? He's just unable to do anything for himself, unable to do anything for anybody else. Yeah. And it just worse year by year, even when he thought the last year couldn't get any worse. Yeah. So you you'd think okay, someone in their 70s, maybe that makes more sense. Well, through through training with people looking for interest in the uh, rehabilitation of knees and hips. I've had more and more contact in the last five years of people that are in their fifties that are describing this. So we're having people in America right now where the life expectancy for them is projected farther because of pharmacological intervention and maybe, you know, uh, a higher medical tech. Yeah. But what that's going to look like is going to look worse and worse and worse for folks. Um, So for some of these people, the thing I would point out is like, okay, If you're in your 30s and you're a man and you currently have a longer list of things you can't do physically than you can, Mm -hmm. I'm gonna tell you, you're doing life wrong. Mm -hmm. Realistically, as a man, the strongest you're ever gonna be is between 45 and 55. Let me say that again. The strongest men in the world are between 45 and 55. They're not 18, they're not 20, they're definitely not 21 or 25. Mm -hmm. In fact, um and and it's true in like track and field and maybe maybe like in the nfl really yeah really really niche things and the key thing i'll point out about all those sports that are really niche ones is that the the thing you're going to do is going to be so short of a duration right but if we flip it and we were to talk about basketball and soccer well, the players who score the most points are rarely 18, 19, 20 years old. They're, they're the older men on the field who've got you know, years of conditioning. Um, yeah. And I say all of that to say this. In, in Texas, it's astonishing because you'll meet people that are 26, completely broke dick, but they were a starter in high school football. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, how the fuck did you peak and, and come down in six years? Like, why are you not still going? Yeah, I think part of it. It's cr- it's crazy. Life's I'm not over. Oh, I'm already started. <laughs> barely started, already done. Um, That's nice. And and the amazing thing is, is the guys I know that have that kind of mindset going on, where they're basically they're my age, but they look like they're ten years older than me. They're they're already having kids, trying yeah. to do the same thing. So their kid is playing football three and four seasons. Um, out of the year, which is gonna mess their kid up the same way it did them. But mm-hmm. the worst thing is, is their kid will listen to somebody more than them. And how many how many dads do I know that that's their story? Is where they're frustrated that somebody else has their kid's ear and it's not them. Yeah. Well, here's the answer: It's because you've allowed yourself to become pathetic. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm amazed at there. There's a couple guys at the gym that I just left right before I moved out here. In the, in the last city I was in. I've been at the gym for like six years, not as a, a trainer, but just as a guy there all the damn time. So I've had a chance to see guys that brought their sons in the gym starting at 13, 14, and then over the years, you know, now these young men are 18, 19, 20 years old. It's amazing to me that they ask me questions that I know they've asked their dad. Mm-hmm. And they're taking my answers and running with them rather than their dad. And it just shouldn't be that way. Yeah, It, it yeah. really should, but, but why did it get that way, dad? It's because their dad even though he's a year younger than me has all these things that he can't do and versus me where you know i'm in some ways i guess i'm a very simple kind of person like kind of forrest gump simple Mm -hmm. because when i decide i'm going to do it i do it
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yep yeah i'm I'm, uh i'm I'm a lot i'm very similar like once i get my mind on
1: something it's it's that's it it's (laughs) no holding me back (laughs) that's it That's it. And that's what I'd want for everybody. That'd be the third thing man is, is, dude, you guys have got to protect your physical conditioning. Mm -hmm. Like it's the last thing you got because it is your, all your property can be taken from you. Mm -hmm. All of your property can be taken. Your prestige can be taken. Okay. Even your good name. Uh, how many men do I know that they went through a divorce that completely ruined their life? Yeah. Because during the, during the divorce proceedings, they end up bombing out their credit and losing all the material shit. And the amazing yeah. thing is, is instead of seeing somebody whose load just got really light, mm-hmm. like, dude, you're in a perfect position to start over. They're even more broken and pathetic a year after yeah. that. Yeah, It's fucking pathetic. And here's the deal. No one in the world cares about a 40-year-old man being happy. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like for some of you, you gotta get it through your head that look, you gotta figure yeah. out some of this shit quick. Uh Louis CK said that one of his stand-ups, and I just loved it because here's the deal. There's no like nobody's adopting a 40-year-old man to make sure he's happy every day. Yeah. Nobody like yeah. If, if you work in an office environment and maybe you got a couple really young guys and a couple really old guys and a couple of 40 year olds, I guarantee you're you're very rarely walking to end the 40 year olds and being. You know, hey, hey John, John, how are you today? I just want you to look at me and I tell them to do it. Because I'll tell you for me, dude, when I was a 26-year-old tech surgeon, if you ever yeah. said something like that to me, I would have said, get the fuck out of my face. Go, go check in a fucking little baby airman. Get the fuck out of my face, man. right? Yeah. You know, and then and then you, you when, when you and I worked together, that was one of the things that was funny was that there were people in a store that would make sense to go check up on it, or other people that when they're having a bad day we would both just shrug and it's like, Jesus, too bad that this grown adult here can't get their shit together. Yeah, exactly. But there's just a whole bunch of people in our country that I feel like, man, that the day that it's just that, that the, cause here's the deal guys, any of you that are cool on social media today, you have to understand the cycle. <laughs> you won't be cool, but yeah. do you guys understand there's a generation of kids right now that not only do they not know who the Motley crew is, but they don't think they're cool. <laughs> right? To so me, I grew up, you know, man, that Motley crew is cool. They ain't cool. Whatever's cool today won't be cool later. Yeah. And that's yeah. why I'm not telling you that fitness is cool. I hope fitness is never cool. Mm-hmm. That way it won't get put into the loops of in and out. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just gotta be what it is. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like, a, it's
0: just something like I've told my wife this, like, you don't just do this. Like, like you were saying earlier, like, it's not a six month thing. This isn't like just something you do as like a status or something. You don't just buy the kettlebell because you think it looks cool and it's cool to hang around the house. This is your fucking life. Like you do this cause this is your fucking life.
1: And Oh yeah. you know. And I'm going to tell you, you know, cause so, so if, if you have a little baby coming on the way so soon and I'll have new ones sooner than later, here, here's oh, yeah. what I'll promise it. That my child will be walking into a world where it will be easier for him to take what he wants than it was for me mm-hmm. because his peers will be more pathetic than my peers were. Mm. And that's what I believe. I think if we were to look at, at at young men in the 30s and 40s and compare them to the young men of the 60s and 70s, it's pretty obvious the 60s and 70s were pretty pathetic compared to the 30s and 40s. Very different. So Let's, yeah. right, let's just drag that line up a little bit. So then, what does that tell us about young men from the 80s and 90s, possibly a lot more pathetic than the 60s and 70s and definitely pathetic compared to the 30s and 40s. Mm-hmm. And now we jump into 2020, an era where some of you people don't even know if you're a man or a woman, dude, my kid will probably eat you people.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, You know what I'm saying? And yeah. that would be the preparation he'll receive is, is I'll prepare to be a thing like, here's the deal. You, you're, you're walking onto a world where everybody's so worried about their feelings, mm-hmm. even that they'll lie continuously. So instead you're just gonna tell the truth. And we're mm-hmm. gonna see which one shakes out better. Yeah. And instead of everybody trying to get along and everybody being special, mm-hmm. I'm just gonna help you learn at an early age the way that I did. Very yeah. few people are actually special. Being special is probably the wrong direction. Yeah. It's a lot better to be a functional nobody yeah, than a special somebody and I hope I never become a special somebody I like being a functional nobody
0: yeah yeah I, I I love that you know I was um that was another thing too like I was I've been thinking a lot about that lately and uh what do you call it I've been I've been telling people at work you know well when, when I'm, I'm not going to be a fat dad that will not be me <laughs> no. like fuck that my kid like if and and um I've also told people like when because uh I'm in jujitsu, and um, I'm planning on taking uh, some form of kickboxing here pretty soon. And I already told my wife, like, Hey, if this, if this dude wants to, you know, act up, you know, we're going to get real real quick. And, you know, well, I'll be like geek I'll probably get people hate me for this, but I've told my wife, like, I'm going to be like, Hey, what do you want the gear, the gloves? Let's go. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right answer, but like, I don't know. Do you, I've, I've learned a lot of respect for martial arts, um,
1: since I started doing jujitsu and stuff and uh it's well, especially humble uh, especially <laughs> grappling sports because here's the deal day one of the grappling sport when you come out onto my mat here's the deal you can't do anything to me I can mm-hmm. do whatever I want to do to you mm-hmm. I can I can I can break your bones I can put you unconscious I could kill you if I want to so yeah. that tends to produce a better attitude and the thing is for people who are non candidates for martial arts practice, mm-hmm. they're typically non candidates for anything that's going to involve true collaboration. Yeah. It's going to be a pride behind them. So for me, like, I, I'll tell you, I don't, I don't only be friends with guys that do combative sports. It's not, stu- I'm not that stupid, but I will tell you this I just can't be friends with somebody when I find out that the reason they can't do combative sports is that they're not suitable for training. And I've met people like that. Some of these people, they just, the, the ego gets so big that it's like, I can't, you know, if somebody tried to choke me out, I'd go crazy. on them, hurt him. It's like, well, oh, actually uh-huh. we're, we, you'd be completely controlled and choked out. That's yeah. what, you know, like, um, I, you know, I'll never forget this day. So when we had our lifting team going real heavy in Saginaw, we had a guy come out one weekend and uh, you know, he was doing that thing where he thought he was going to just say some combination of words that would equal respect. Mm-hmm. It's like, as a brand new guy, well, first of all, we respect the fact that you're here and we respect the fact that you're here to work. So you no, one's going to be rude to you, but if you think you can say things before we've seen what you can do, that's going to give you a better stance in a group. It won't. At dinner that night, after training, he started to tell a story and I could tell he was lying. And the particulars of the story was he essentially said that he is a white belt level competitor Went to a black belt's gym, and this was a black belt that several of us in the room knew. I don't know if he knew that we knew, but we, you know, I knew exactly who he was yeah. talking about. And he he said that he had gotten the guy into this particular hold, where this black belt was unable to escape and unable to submit him. And I listened for about five seconds of it, and I said, "Show me." So he starts to kind of point here and point there and talk. And I said, no, you have to show me like where I'm going to lay down on the floor. You're going to do whatever you did to him. I oh, need shit. to see how you did this. So, <laughs> um, so here's what he does. And it was crazy to me. He gives me his back. He asked me to put my feet in like, like a, like a quarter of the way set hook. I don't have my ankles crossed. So I've got my insteps are pushing against the inside of his thighs. So I'm really, I'm just, I'm, I'm. I'm peeling him open like a clam, but I've got his back. He grabs my feet, both of my feet. And he's trying to do this like scooter on his butt thing while I got his feet. So I sit up and I choke the shit out of him in like three seconds. Like his neck was open. Oh, And, I, mean, and, I, and, and I, I did the hard choke where he did the gurgle.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: then I let him up right away. And I say, I, I, I'm doing it wrong, bro. Because I feel like I can escape. So set me up again and really get me. So he does the same dumb shit again. And I sit up again. This time I choke him harder. And the guys at the table, they're all looking and they're starting to get a smile on their face. I said, I'm doing this wrong. I'm, man, I'm, I'm screwing it all up. I got out again. I said, do it again. So he did the same dumb thing again. This time I choked him so hard that when I let him go, he went in the bathroom and he threw up and he never came back over again. And the thing about it was this. It was when he lied that I felt the need to do that to him, but here 's the other part about it within our group dynamic, we never have arguments with each other yeah. we don 't have to lie to each other because we we do things in a way where things are testable and provable, yeah, you know what I mean and, and that 's yeah. what i 'd want for people is is don 't get it in your head that just because you can say the right thing you 're okay man you 're not okay yeah you 're not okay you got it you got to get there um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: especially. Submission grappling, guys, for all of you to hear this, it, it's good because it's going to take away a lot of your dumb excuses. Mm-hmm. It, it's, yep. it really is. Like, if you're a little guy, here's the problem you're always a little guy. And here's a really big thing little people get picked on more than big people. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not that big, but I'm big enough that nobody really fucks with me when I'm out walking around. <laughs> but for little people, the excuse that I can't do that because I'm little, it's like, oh, well, that's bad because that's going to be a problem for you throughout all of your life mm-hmm. um, uh, for people who feel that they're just too weak to get into it. Well, the big problem is, is that means that you're fully situated to be a good victim. Like like you guys got to get away from these excuses. It's not okay. It's not okay that you can't do a pull up. It's not okay that uh, you can't run anymore. It's not okay that you don't know how to get out of a bear hug. It's not okay that you don't know how to shoot a gun it's mm-hmm. not okay that you're on fucking Facebook for six hours a day. Like, <laughs> like, you know, if, if we could, if the, the title of this podcast could just be for today's episode, like you're not okay. <laughs> you're not, you're not, and you're not special. Yep.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's, that's the worst part about it is that because you're not okay and you're not special, you're actually going to find that a lot of the problems of life are going to come upon you hard, man. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um,
0: and especially when you start doing like like we started out, like when you just, just start fucking doing it and like don't care about like being special or being anything like this whole thing, like I don't give a shit about any of that. And for anybody that, that ever wants to um, look back or, or even hear from me right now, like I'll state it, like I don't care about any of that stuff. All I care about is just doing it and having a good time doing it. Like that's what matters. Just do what you want to do, do what you got to do. And let all that extra shit, like put that shit to the wayside, your ego. That's none of that, none of that matters. And you'll find that it'll actually stop you from doing a lot of things and actually catapult you into doing things.
1: I think so. I think, I think there's a, you know, there's a lot of, well, you know, isn't that the punchline of every, every kind of like teen drama is the moment that so and so realizes that they can do it, they can do the dance, they can do the (laughs) hot. Like, you know, and why do those stories stick with us? Because that is one of the truer parts of the human experience. Mm-hmm. One, one yeah. of the way truer parts of human experience is not how you're awesome. Mm-hmm. It's how you're you suck, but you could you could get better. Yeah. So it's a way better story. Like here's a story no one cares about. Here's a guy who's got no problems and everything's going yeah. great. The end. Who who the fuck cares about that story? Yeah. And and you know, there's nothing wrong too,
0: like. Like being like I've said this recently, too, there's nothing wrong with being middle class. like there is absolutely nothing wrong. like if you look, I think the average income is up to like one twenty thousand dollars a year, and if you're smart financially with your money,
1: you can live a pretty damn good life off one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year, and oh shit i'll I'll go in, I'll go through want that all day and say that dude, if you can't do your life with that much money, yeah, you're doing you're you got your mind on the wrong shit, yeah
0: and that's, that's, that's like the, the, the top tier you can do, do it with a little less than that. I think, I think they did like some study in Harvard or some, some Ivy league school of some sorts where they found out the cap for um, happiness or something. I don't even know how you fucking gauge that, but it was like 70,000. If if you make more than $70,000 a year, then you really, that's you're in the, like, there's nothing else that can make you more happy monetarily uh, wise, like money wise. Like, so I don't know. Like you can, if you're smart with your finances and you make that kind of money, then you you can literally do what you want to do and live a pretty outstanding life. So I don't I don't know where the hang-up is.
2: It's okay. Well, to the, the,
0: nobody
1: and be normal. <laughs> the, the attachment I will put to that too, though, is is it is absolutely unacceptable for those of you that are in a poverty situation to remain. Yeah. Uh, yeah. While it's certainly not, it may not be good for a person. To truly chase the dollar, it may not be. I don't. I don't know. You know, I'd, I'd have to. I'd have to personally go there first myself to make any decision. But here's what I do know: when you are so broke that you can't help yourself, you can't help anybody. Yeah. Um, but the problem is, is you'll still keep getting problems, which means now you're looking for other people to bail you out, and that—that that I think is what is really you know, what's the biggest difference between the Americans of the 40s and 50s and the Americans of 2000 to 2020 Mm -hmm. is there are more people today who really think that it is just somebody else's job to make sure that they have an amazing life. And here's the crazy thing. Dude, show me someone who says that they're poor or they're broke that doesn't have a fucking iPhone and I'll do something else. (laughs) (laughs) But if you've got a smartphone and you're broke, fuck you, you deserve to be broke then because for some reason you're unwilling to do whatever it takes. The amount of ways you can make money just possessing a smartphone is just absolutely unreal. Um, by my house, there's a QT right at the side of the freeway. There's this guy that I see every single day, unless it's raining, you gotta keep that detail in mind. If, if it's raining, he won't be there. But if it's not raining, he's gonna be on a bucket at the stop sign He's going to have a sign, you know, hungry, need food. Some days he claims to be a veteran. Some days he claims, blah, blah, blah. I also have seen him in the QT bathroom with his fucking phone. Mm -hmm. And it's like, dude, you're a predator. You're a scam artist. Yeah. You're like, you're like some kind of octopus hiding underneath the rock to catch the little baby crab that got away from the family. You're definitely not someone anyone should be feeling sorry for. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. I have friends that do outreach with homeless veterans. So let's talk about the two because I hope we get more veterans listen to your show over time anyway. I think I think dude, so. Dude, here's the deal, guys. If you're homeless in America, it actually tells us one specific thing first more than any other thing, okay? And I'm, I'm not going to talk about California because if you're in California and you're homeless, you need to get out of California. You probably won't be homeless. <laughs> but I'll tell you this, in the state... If you're homeless in Texas, it actually tells me that you want to be. And this is why we have shelters in all these communities. We have churches, we have halfway homes that will get you to work. They have places where you could start working today and get food in your belly today and cash in hand today, but people are so homeless here. Why? It's because you can't go to the halfway house. If you're on dope, you can't go to the shelter. If you're a fucking drunk. So for most of the time, when you see someone homeless, the first thing is, is, wait a minute, I don't want to talk about your homelessness. Are you choosing to be a junkie? Mm -hmm. Like that's the, that's the very first question. And the big thing is if someone is a quote homeless veteran, who's also a meth addict, Mm -hmm. they're actually just a meth addict Mm -hmm. because it changes them too much. And it's a thing where in our country, We have this this fear that there's all these people who can't help themselves, but it's just not that way. They totally can help themselves. If you guys didn't know this, if somebody's homeless and they need to get meth today, they'll come up with 60 bucks to get meth in a couple hours. Yeah. Some of some of you are so pathetic you couldn't even sell sixty dollars worth of shit to get 60. But a meth can start off with nothing and have sixty dollars in an hour. That's a that's a crazy conundrum right there. I'll do it, I'll tell it, I've I've literally seen this. I've been in gas stations that are by Walmarts or by a Costco or a Sam's Club, and some sketchy motherfucker comes up to you trying to sell you uh, a three pack of flame mignon for twenty bucks. And you know what uh, he ran in a store and stole it. He uh, <laughs> <that's wild>. ran in <laughs> and oh, stole oh. the quality steak to sell to you at the gas station because he's trying to get his drugs. But Damn. you know what? That's that's also example the amazing ingenuity of the human mind when it's trying to get something. Yeah. Like for oh, yeah. some people, if they could work the way that a drug addict will work to get their fix, they could mm-hmm. literally have whatever they want in life. Yeah. But but on that thing, you know, I really agree with you when you talk about there's probably an amount of money that if you make it, you're not actually gonna be that much better or happier. Mm-hmm. Like you might have better shit, but it's still the same mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. So for some of you guys, like for some of you, if you're someone and you just, you kind of suck or you don't like yourself, you won't do better for yourself, putting you in a better car, it's still the same lame ass you, yeah. you, won't act- you won't actually, you won't actually be happy. It's still you, we exactly. can put you in a mansion, but if you're still the same slob who doesn't wash his own dishes and keep his toilet clean, well, guess what? Mm-hmm. The mansion looks just like your other place. Yeah. It, it's, you can't get away from the fact that you've got to work on you. I mean, yep. you just can't have a bunch of excuses about it. It's, it's, there's no escaping it.
0: Yeah. I've constantly tried to navigate those waters. Um, you know, I haven't taken the most traditional routes. I'm far from perfect. I'm, I'm always trying to figure out like, how can I fine tune um, myself? And um, you know, it's, it's a constant, you know, I'm, I'm constantly trying to figure out things and tweak things about myself. And in that process, I've dropped a lot of Um, my own beliefs sometimes just because I I've assessed them looked at them and said is this something that's holding me back is this something like does this shit really matter like or it's like this am I just doing this for money like what what are the root causes of these things that I do career-wise fitness-wise whatever the case may be so it's it's a constant um, I've I've let go of the excuses and let the, like, I mean, I I know we're kind of regurgitating the same, same things, but it's, it's letting go of getting out of your own way is I guess the best, best way to put it. And I'm not, I'm not like this ultra successful person or anything, but I'm a lot fucking better off where I, you know, Adam, honestly, I wish you could have, um, because I know when we first met, I was, I was not, I was like, I was doing pretty good for, probably about two, three months before we actually started interacting. And then I got into that job with you and um, I kind of started like, you met me at a really weird time where I was really questioning like, hmm, like where where are my beliefs at? And I wish you could have seen like the next six months after I left because like, man, I got into this freaking crazy fitness kick. Like I, I, you would have definitely seen a different person. 'Cause like I had I dropped a lot of weight. I think when we had met, I was like almost 215, 220. And I got down to like 179, 175. I just started running, started lifting. And um, just I would any excuse to like be around someone that wanted to exercise and be healthy and and I I added to that every single day. But I let go of a lot of my hangups and a lot of my negative attitude towards certain things or um, people or this or that. And it it completely changed my life. And then I was like, you know what? I feel fucking great. I'm going to, you know what I, I, I was really good at. I was really good at being an NCO in the army. Fuck it. Let's go back. Let's do it. I love doing that. And I went back and I've haven't looked back since. Have there been shitty days? Yeah. There's fucking shitty days all the time, but man. Yeah. It's, it's getting out of my own way and just kind of letting the river take you sometimes, I guess, more or less, and stop trying to fight going upstream a little bit of,
2: is that, is that connecting? Does that make sense? I, I totally agree with it. And it, it, it brings me back to that first thing I said about the, the only way I could have gotten to where I am in my life is, is exactly the way I came in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the thing is this: here, here's the thing that I would want every person to hear and to know and to, and not just believe but to do the research for yourself until you believe it. Yeah. It's that success leaves clues
0: yeah fail failure
2: does too but but more importantly than how failure leaves them is that success does and the the amazing thing is is that first of all in some ways all success is the same because it is the individual who will determine when the success was met or not Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like if you if you're trying to compose a song and i hear the start and i say you did it And in your mind, you're like, dude, I'm trying to do a four-minute song, not a 30-second one. Yeah, I could say the guy's a successful songwriter, I've heard it, and you might say, I'm not successful because it's not there. So in that respect, all success can be the same. But but the other way we could say it, and I don't want to be too contrary, not all successes are the same in the sense of, there are going to be things that a person can really truly believe that once they get there, it will matter and then they're gonna get there and it might not. Yeah. So Ty, for me, that the most obvious time I had to deal with this and it was directly connected to my money, so it was a real frustration for me. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about weight loss for just a second. So earlier, you know, we both agree that people that are overweight need to lose it, but let's talk about a big thing with this. Here's the deal, mm-hmm. um, starting with men. If you're a man and when you look down, you've got a 40 inch belt, okay? If you're currently telling yourself that if you're single you wouldn't be single if you didn't have the belly, or if you are in a relationship and you don't feel it's going very well, that it would go better if you didn't have your belly, that's all a lie. Now, now what is true is that people are people, and and what men think, you know, how a man thinks, given women look in, in terms of attractiveness. That tends to be built into us, just like for women, what they think is track is built in. But here's the end of the day: if if you're a, an angry dickhead with a big fat belly, and we get you down to just a ferocious, eight-pack, shredded, looking like Brad Pitt in Fight Club, here's the deal: if you're still an angry dickhead, the same people who didn't like you fat don't like you skinny. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you if if you think that your life will be better from other people when you lose the weight, you're probably wrong. Yeah, yeah, and see that's um, that, that's a that's a big part of it as well. That's that's huge. I, I'll never forget the times that we would have a client. They join our program, and it would be like, you know, I, I really want to lose forty pounds. Six months go by. We help the person lose forty five pounds. So hey, we, we took where you wanted to go and then we took you further and guess what? They quit the program because they get down to their weight loss and then that they realize is they're still miserable, if they were miserable. Maybe they're still having conflict with their spouse or problems or maybe they're still not getting the respect they think they should have got at work. And it's like, yeah, but your weight was not actually the problem in any of those. You know what I mean? And, and if you've been telling yourself it was that, it's not. Your weight's a different problem. There's a different benefit to getting there. But in that way, that, that's just one of those things. You, hear, you see this musician, you know, every every time you watch a behind the music thing, and they talk about how a band is, they came up into true success for what all of us thought would be their success. Yeah. How unhappy these people are and how disenfranchised they got once they got oh, to yeah. where they thought they wanted to go. And I'm gonna tell you guys, it looks like that to me in every area of life. Yeah, I just can't find an area where if you just got high enough up the ladder, you would feel so much better about things. It seems to be that you have the ability to change your mind with the snap of a finger, mm-hmm. having nothing to do with the other conditions. So people yep. who are able to assume the right attitude tend to get better results. People who say when my results get better, my attitude will get better—they never get there. Yeah, it just doesn't work that way. Yeah. Well, I guess I I think of go for it. it. No, go for it. I I was just thinking about that. If uh, if I had muddy shoes on and I walk into your house, and, and I have the perception that you don't have a very nice house, and I walk across the floor and get your floor muddy. And then I turn and say, well, you know, if you had a nicer house, I wouldn't wear my boots in your house. You would yes. say, if I had a nicer house, I wouldn't let you in my house, you dick. <laughs> and that, that's the thing that people, it's like, that's where they get mixed up at to me is, is they're not understanding that the thing that they're connecting like an A to B, it's not related at all. They're, they're different issues. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. A hundred percent. Well, I, I got to ask you, um, So we live in a crazy fucking time right now um, between protests, riots, election coming up, you know, coronavirus. It's insane. It's absolutely insane time to be alive. It's it's really crazy out there. What
1: what do you think? What do you think is going to happen here in November? I don't think November matters nearly as much as we are being told over and over that it matters. So, so let's look at it from two different sides. So from the conservative friends that I have, which I personally am quite conservative, but when I listen to their rhetoric, there's this idea that if the Republicans hold, hold all their current things they hold or get more that everything's gonna get better. But I wanna remind everybody that everything that has happened has happened in the current configuration of a Republican president, a Republican Senate. Um, So the idea that that if we get Trump four more years that anything's gonna be better, I don't believe that because Trump is the president and he's done great in my opinion, and yet we still did a national lockdown. There's still states that have heavy restrictions because their governor, of their local level has put them into that kind of oppression. We have these riots and looting and all this shit. And the reason that President Trump couldn't just come in and stop it all immediately is because the local leaders, they have to, you know, it's like, what's the problem with Seattle and Portland? Well, they won't allow the people who will put an end to this monkey business to come in and do it. Because mm-hmm. I'll tell you right now, for anyone who supports the rioting and the looting, you guys need to understand the day that the other foot falls and the National Guard comes in, you motherfuckers will be done within one hour. Yeah, like police officers for some reason, dude. They might put up with you guys spitting on them and shit. As soon as motherfuckers and helmets and BDUs come in, you guys are gonna get your fucking jaws broke, and this will all be over fast.
0: Yeah, it's it's a it's a whole nother monster when you start and get uh, getting and get. You know, um, I want to I want you to finish that thought still, but I wanted to throw in there. My wife was telling me something she read somewhere about like. Someone was like, well, if we can go into other countries and start wars, well, why can't I go and, you know, do X, Y, and Z in my own country? And I was like, I was really appalled by that. Like, I, I, I try to be very careful what I say, but that, like, really pissed me off. I was like, why in the fuck would you want what goes on over there in your own backyard? That shit
1: is just fucking crazy. And, like, and my, that's, that's my like answer an- to that is, is that here's the deal. So if that's how they want to roll, then they should roll that way. Just don't be surprised when you get dealt with. Yeah, you play stupid games, you win
0: stupid prizes, and I'm and and let me be clear, I'm not saying like don't go out and protest. I want people to go out and protest. I don't even care if I don't agree with what you're protesting about. Like, go do what you what you want to do. That's that's what makes this country great. But to fucking um, want to fight cops and fucking shoot and kill people in the streets, like this, like and I'm not gonna like point blame at left or right or any of that, but I'm. I'm just I'll, – I'll leave it at that. You know, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. You don't want that shit in your own backyard. I promise you. Oh, as, no, you don't. As much as you think and feel that it's what you got to do right now, you are gravely, gravely mistaken. Cause people... and, you know,
1: the other thing is we've seen is this, is that for a lot of these people, when, when especially some of these thought leaders behind this anarchist movement, when mm-hmm. things come about that directly touch – see everything seems so far away until it touches you. Yeah, And the reality is, is for most of the people that I've met here in Texas, for example, so I've met some people that were really like defund the police. Mm-hmm. And for a couple of them, I've asked them, so what would you do if I hold you down and spit in your face and decide to pull one of your teeth out of your head right now? If I just had it in me, they're like, what I want to do is I'm going to spit in your face and knock your teeth out of your head. Mm-hmm. Who are you going to call? Mm-hmm. They're going to, yeah. they're going to call the police That's what I've noticed, is that the same people who tell me that the police are so terrible, if I give them any amount of threat and they realize, oh, wait a minute, this person could do everything to me that I don't want done, they wanna call the police because that's who you should be calling is the police. Um, And what, on November though, here's the big thing I want people mm -hmm. to understand. It seems that many of the most problematic things that are actually going on for us won't be changing. That's what yeah. I would say. Yeah. And, and very much in the same way when I think about, okay, so what country when we transition from Bill Clinton to George Bush? Mm-hmm. were they present when George Bush transitioned to Barack Obama? Mm-hmm. Were they present when Barack Obama transitioned to uh, Donald mm-hmm. Trump? Well, it seems to be that depending on who you ask, it seems that basically it's the same kind of things. Mm-hmm. Here's the deal, bro. I'm going to say this as final thing. For some of us, things will look different in November. Yeah. And for most of you, it won't. For the, for the us crowd, for, the, for, for my people, here's what will look different. The people who are taking care of themselves and the people that are focused on handling their own business and getting their own things done and, and really doing life in a way that makes sense. Like, like, here's what doesn't make sense. If you live in downtown Manhattan and you've seen over the last four months in particular... Your entire city fall apart if your plan is to live there for the rest of your life and just bitch that somebody didn't come fix it for you you're part of the fucking problem yeah it either fix it yourself fix it your community or move which would be my recommendation mm-hmm. all right i left detroit michigan when i realized that wow i'm a broke nobody who's 18 i mm-hmm. can't fix anything here i need to go out in the world and do something mm-hmm. so i took myself out of my city and I went and did other things and I decided there was other things to do to go back. My friends who stayed, their lives have looked decidedly different than mine every step of the way with the biggest thing being there's simply all these opportunities they're never gonna get to reach out and touch because they stay in that one spot. Yeah, very true, very, very true. Um, For the coming year, I'll tell you, here's the hot topics, the things that, that will be more important than I mean, you know, here's the deal. Like, like for the, especially for the amount of violence that we're seeing around the country, as long as we have a, a public media front that it can do a continuous job of telling the lie. You got, you know, go back to what the Nazi Party told you. If you mm-hmm. tell a lie enough times, it will become true in the minds of the people. Mm. So we have a we have a population of people that they really do think that the government is going to do all these things for them. And there's nowhere in any part of the legislation through the various branches of government that any of that is a real thing. Yeah. You know, like, like for, for those of you that are out there that you can't even get yourself up at a given time and take a shower every day and put on clean clothes, dude, the United States government is not trying to do anything to help you. Yeah. Not only do they not like you, they may actively hate you. Mm-hmm. So what are you gonna do about it? Like yep. that's the real thing. What are you going to do about it? You're going to go burn a fucking car down? That ain't going to help nobody. You got to yep. go wash your ass and put on some clean clothes and get up at time. Like mm-hmm. the kind of problems that we're going to be facing going into 2021 are going to basically be the same problem we had all through 2020. All through 2020 can be summarized in one way: for some reason, certain people decided that it was the government's job to take care of them, not their job. Mm-hmm. Like for me, I'll tell you guys, for me, I don't wear a mask anywhere I go. Literally nowhere. I don't use hand sanitizer when I go into a building. I will shake hands if anyone who wants to shake hands. And that's because before COVID-19, I still had to deal with all you nasty motherfuckers. (laughs) Your hepatitis and your herpes and your AIDS and your colds and your cold sores and your fucking disgusting warts and all your other gross ass shit that all you filthy motherfuckers have. I still greeted you with a smile and a handshake, so I'm definitely not afraid about a respiratory disease. But what I'm definitely afraid of is this: I'm afraid of how many of you have become so afraid that yes. you're letting you're letting these people like, you know, man, the rules and the standards don't even make sense. Yes, and that's, uh, that's- if, if I go to the eye doctor, they're they're like barricading people between a double door system to try to get all these you know, their temperature and take all these checks, but I can also go into my feed store and, and you know, like the standards are so this, crazy. Yeah, yeah it, that's... It's just that that's the first part. But the second thing is this, I never one time asked the government to do anything for my mm-hmm. safety other than three things mm-hmm. as a citizen of the United States. I expect a military that is standing to keep other militaries off our soil. Mm-hmm. I expect a court system. Mm-hmm. That is fair and just as much as it can be because we're all human. Nothing's perfect, and then I expect some kind of police force to carry out the the rules and law that the court set. Mm-hmm. If you don't have those three things, you don't have a country. But here's the deal: mm-hmm. once you have those three things, the primary responsibility of of handling like life and safety, dude, that's on the individual. Yeah. If you live in a place and it's terribly unsafe, it is your fucking responsibility to get yourself out of it. Mm-hmm. Not to beg everyone else to do the right thing. What if they don't?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, And then you're
0: going to play by their rules
1: once they like, get their hands, hands that' involved. That's the city of Chicago. The amount of people that are in Chicago that put up with that shit is unbelievable to me. Yeah. It's unbelievable that in some of these neighborhoods where they have black kids killing black kids every day, that no one in the community seems to be able to Uh, want to do anything with it. They keep asking the police and the governor to do something. Then amazingly, when the police do come in and do something, they want to protest. Mm -hmm. It's like, which one's it going to be? Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, and and the thing is about it that that could be frustrating to look at those scenarios is, is that we have situations like that all across the world where it looks different because the community does something about it. Mm hmm. So there is a model that works and it's that people take care of themselves, they take care of their people and things get better. But if you expect yeah. that you're not going to take care of you and somehow I'm supposed to take care of you, oh man, you're just going to be a victim. That's all All's going to happen is you're going to be victimized one way or another.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, I think also uh, I might add to, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. And I think, you know, there's always room for improvement and to make things better. Like, and I think a lot of, like, I was going to say this earlier, I think a lot of people don't understand how detrimental things can be in this sense, right? If you work in a cubicle, right? If you work in an office and you work in a cubicle with, let's say, 50 other people, and you work in a toxic work environment where maybe there's sexual slurs that are made at you or whatever, you know, these, like, as as shitty as that is, and I'm not justifying that, what i'm saying is is that is not being in a in that kind of work environment necessarily a life or death situation now like i said i'm not justifying that but if you are a police officer and you work in a toxic police department and you have toxicity going on in that department things can lead to life or death scenarios if if if, does that make sense Oh, yeah. Very quickly. So it's, so it's a different context. Absolutely. So I think there maybe have a little bit of reflection because on that and what these, you know, I, I heard I can't remember who the fuck it was, but I heard someone say, like, you know, you do know would be really good because, you know, I, I guarantee you there's there's bad like I, I see it. There's bad NCOs. There's bad soldiers. There's good soldiers. There's good NCOs. I mean, anywhere you go and work, um, you're going to have good and bad people. But some lines of work, when you have shitty people, it can get serious really fucking quick. And that's like when I was talking earlier, like someone showing up late. The way I handled that situation, or I handle situations with soldiers that show patterns of showing up late, is going to be very different than in a um, civilian uh, office workplace. Very different outcomes um, when it comes to those kinds of things. Now, I think, I can't remember where I heard it from, but if, if... there's a big, seems to be a big disconnect because I've, I've rolled with people in Jiu-Jitsu that were cops and they're great guys. They're awesome dudes. Like I, I have all the utmost respect for them. And I can only imagine what they have to deal with every, every day going out, especially during these times. No one wants to be a cop. And right now I, I would assume like it's, it's a crazy job. And I think, I can't remember, like I said, I can't remember where I heard it, but if, if cops could more embed themselves in their community, this is where I like to improve, I think like they're standing I think they need to start connecting with the community and especially in these really shitty communities that have been historically shitty if they can like uh, the example I think I heard was like um, ride-alongs if city council members like maybe once a month a city council member a mayor someone of elected office of some sort rode and saw what these these cops have to deal with and or also you know you move in to a neighborhood or something and Next door neighbor's police officer and comes and hey, uh, um, I'm Officer John Smith and uh, um, hey, uh, I live right here. If you ever need anything, yada yada yada. If you want to, you or your family, your kids, want to ever go on a ride along, you know, come see what we deal with. uh, Feel free anytime. Um, I'm just right next door. Yada yada. Like, you know, I feel like there's such a divide between these communities and police, and there there has to
1: be some bringing it together. Well, you know, I don't let me, here's, here's what I'll say, because, uh, okay, I've never seen additional laws and rules mm-hmm. produce better people. Mm-hmm. What you see is better people act always higher than the standards that are set for them. Mm-hmm. But they also like, okay, so here's the deal. Um, uh, I want you to think about things that are not crimes, but they're just dickish to do and then think about how you don't do those things. And yeah. think about how you don't need a law put. Okay. So like, here's an example, guys. Uh, let's say you're driving on a road and you see that there is a carcass of a raccoon on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. As far as I know, for you to like pull over and then go kick it, right? Yeah. Like kick the shit out of the dead animal on the side of the road. I, I don't think that's illegal, but it's fucked up. Yeah. But, but you don't need to make a law for that because most decent people wouldn't do that. So I'm reaching for a second here, but my about, point. okay. If, if, if it was not, if, if rape was not on the books as a crime, I still wouldn't be out raping women. Yeah, right? I if you were going. So in that way, the, the thing is, is this, this idea that, okay, the police are not there to stop any given crime. They're on to crimes. And they're there in mass disturbance to basically bring it back down to quiet, right?
2: Mm -hmm. But
1: a police officer's capability to stop a crime from happening. And you talk to any cop and they'll tell you that. There's just, there's not enough of them. And the other thing is, is that generally speaking, most people will commit their crimes out of the sight of a cop, right? So, So the thing is this, here's where we're at as a country, and this is why we're in some some serious, serious trouble. It is the the moral standard of the country, of the community, of the people that will decide what laws are good and bad. Mm -hmm. So right now we're going through a stage where we have a lot of people in front of TV screens offering us more and more legislation. Mm. The problem is, is that the, the laws that are already on the books are being broken continuously. Yeah. So, it, you know what I mean? Like, Ty, if, if I break the first, second, and third rule out of five, so you then add six, seven, and eight, what would lead you to believe that I now don't break four, five, and six? Mm. And, and that, I guess that's what I'm getting at, is that for, for a lot of people, if they do not hold themselves accountable First and foremost, any amount of additional rules and restrictions you put on them won't. Actually, it goes back to what I just said earlier about the mask. Y'all can legislate whatever you want to legislate. I'm not fucking doing it. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, is I don't, I don't go around harming people and damaging people and and doing things wrong. But I also won't allow myself to be infringed upon. Like, here's the deal, too. Especially for you, fucking Texans out there. You know that flag. That says, "Don't tread on me." And there's a coiled serpent, motherfuckers. Being told you have to wear a mask to go see your family members is being treaded on.
2: Mm. Being told you
1: can't have a, mother, okay. Uh, being told you can't have a birthday out. party for <laughs> your kid, motherfuckers. You're being treaded on. Yeah, being there's so told, many of those dudes. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> being told you can't go to the park and barbecue with your kids, bitch. You're being treaded on right now. Tie. I see guys here in my community, they're wearing a fucking don't tread on me t-shirt and they're wearing a face mask. And it's like, dude, that is the treading that the don't was all about. The don't tread on me is shit like that. And, and it's like, that's, that, that to me is, is the core of it is. Um, people are going to do what they do and it deals with the quality that they're bringing themselves up. Mm-hmm. This is why there are amazing people that have come out of some of the worst communities in a country, and it's also why some of the most amazing communities in a country have produced such pieces of shit.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, this, the school that I graduated from as a little kid, you know, high school, it was it was a community where we had relatively very low crime rates. Very few people in my graduating class, for example, were like in a true poverty situation. Um, Very few people had had a very negative or violent type of scenario happen around them during those those formative years. And yet some of the people left our school and they went on to become doctors and surgeons. And some of the people went on to die from being uh, meth and heroin and opiate addicts. Yeah. So, so you, we, we, we look at it and it's like, wow, what was the difference here? Well, it seems like the difference is personal accountability. Yeah. I would imagine that um, I had a pretty good starting point down coming down the road, but there are people who had better starting points than me who didn't make it this far. And there are people who had worse starting points than me that are so much farther down the road. It's just a, how well the person is going to conduct themselves you, you just can't legislate it. You know, that's why the yeah. prison system in our country is such a problem. You go to jail for a year for a drug charge, like you got an ounce of weed on you and they arrest you. The problem is, is once you get into prison, there's going to be situations where you're going to have to do things whether you want to or not. And then you get additional charges put on you. So like in our penitentiary system, there's a shitload of guys. They went in for one offense that was not a problem but the way they have to live their life in the penitentiary produces additional charges and yep. more time goes on it. And it's, it's that's that's it's a revolving of, door almost. It, it becomes a revolving door for that reason. Like I'll tell you right now, either you or I, if we were put in, in a heavy state level like here in Texas, one of the very first things that we're going to have to do being two tall, handsome white boys is we're going to have to go <laughs> Get in with either the Aryan Brotherhood or one of the skinhead groups because if not, as a lone white dude, you're going to get victimized by the black and Latino gangs talked in who's been a penitentiary. So what mm-hmm. happens? Now that you have to go get into them, they make you do things that you wouldn't want to do. Yeah. Hey dude, you're going to be going and picking up this product from that place to take it over here. And if you don't do it, they're going to fucking smash you. Yeah. Hey, man, we're all going to jump that guy tonight. You're jumping with him. If you don't want to do it, we're jumping you next. Like, people don't understand how good their life is out here and how yeah. bad their life could be in other contexts. Yeah. And, 100%. and the thing I'm tra- I guess the thing I'm trying to point out when I say that, guys, is this in the prison system, you have the most rules, you have the most restriction, you have the most, quote, safety and security because, hey, man, they can lock you fucking down. And yet it is continuous lawlessness and violence. So if you look at our current streets and you're thinking November is gonna fix all this shit, why? Yeah, why would this amount of violence and lawlessness go away in November? Yeah. Either side, because there's the other part too, is is in, in the event that the Democratic Party can somehow successfully steal this election with some kind of fraudulent mail-in voting or whatever the fuck they do, all that does. prolong it there's no scenario in november that i currently see that ends any of this until the direct people who are out in the streets throwing bricks at buildings say you know what man i'm I'm not going to do this this is bullshit why am i out here doing this I'll, i'll tell you three predictions i do have though for all of our looters and rioters my first prediction is that you don't own a house I, I almost guarantee most of you motherfuckers that are out fucking with the cops and burning shit down, you don't own any property. If you okay. own some property, you'd have a completely different perspective. But oh, yeah. you don't. I can, I can okay. see that, yeah. Uh, the next thing is, is that there's no leaders in terms of what a real leader is. So you guys are just being a bunch of followers. I'd, I'd really encourage you to look at it and who you're following and, and what's going on with it because I think a lot of you folks would be disenfranchised if you saw who you're actually following. Uh, and the third thing I'm going to promise you is you are putting a curse on your life and you can't even believe what's going to come out of it. What are what are you people going to do that that how many of you are getting arrested in the streets today, 20 years goes by, you're, you're trying to raise your kids and have a life, but every job interview you've ever gone to, you had to explain that one. And when your kid starts becoming defiant and they say, "Well, you were the one out fighting the cops. I'm going to do it. I mean, dude, you're opening a curse upon yourself. You can't even believe it. Mm. Terrible, absolutely terrible. Yeah. So, yeah, and I think I think a lot of people have been
0: just you know, with this coronavirus and this lockdown, and in some of these cities that have these like really strict mandates and all this fear mongering stuff going on, you have <laughs> a lot of motherfuckers that have just been sitting at home all day watching fucking TV being, getting more afraid, more scared and reacting and not responding, not digesting and, and taking the information at hand. And they're just, they're
1: going out there and doing stupid shit. You know, I totally dude. And the thing is too, is when I look at like the restrictions in New York and Los Angeles for, we'll just pick on those two for a minute. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with a citizen in Los Angeles who decides to march in front of the courthouse, not wearing a mask and saying, you can't regulate my whole life. Mm. But when that motherfucker Decides to then go to Louis Vuitton Break a window to steal a purse Yeah Not a protester anymore and, yeah. and what did I see in Minneapolis The same day that that dickhead Died during his apprehension I saw people breaking into targets And looting TVs What political message is that Please remind me again When I see somebody stealing Playstations and Xboxes and big TVs How that's, you know what I mean? That's the thing about it is most of the actual protesting that's going on is not what we're talking about here. Yeah. That's fine. I will tell you, I think like the only state that really did protesting well that I saw this year, bro, was Florida. Because Florida hit spring break this year and it was like, fuck you. You people can't stop 200,000 of us when we go to the beach. Yeah. Yeah, that, that to that, me that was, was a good fun. protest. Um, yeah. The the thing is, like in New York City, it was amazing to me. They had a bunch of synagogues where the the mayor of the city told them they can't assemble. They should have fucking assembled. Mm. They should have assembled. Yeah, they really should have. And then had a and then just did their thing. I'm not even talking about a peaceful protest. Y'all get together and do your do your religious worship. Don't even acknowledge the fact that you're not following a rule. That to me makes sense. What. <clears throat> <laughs> what doesn't make sense is when I see on film uh, some police officer running to try to stop a kid from throwing a Molotov cocktail and then another kid runs up behind him and hits him in the head with a hammer mm. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not feeling it yeah. um, I, I will tell you this so far this year the real motherfuckers haven't actually stood up yet in this country we have 100,000 veterans Mm -hmm. at least okay in this country we have a lot of people who are not down for this Marxist bullshit yeah i promise you guys the day that all of us that don't have blue hair like who collect rifles instead of purple dildos the day we all stand up (laughs) this shit ends i promise you guys. because i look at my community that i live in here we have absolutely none of it if you want to drive out to dallas you can see some of that happening right downtown in dallas but it's a thing where it it never got going in fort worth for example there's a reason for that. it's very specific because i'll tell you now is is if if, especially if you're some weird little blue haired white kid running around screaming at people black lives matter go in the latino part of fort worth and start that shit you'll see they're going to shut you down real quick yeah, North North just, Side's a different beast. North setting it and out here, like in <laughs> Parker County, like mm-hmm. I'll, I'll tear you now, is if 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 the word came out that, for example, a group of these people had had it in their head that they're going go to go on the court earth and spray paint it or some shit, you'd probably see a lot more people like you and I that would show up too and say, actually, we're not doing that. Yeah, we're just not. I'm not going to make you guys fight the cops today. You're not going to get a chance to fight nobody. Y'all are out of here. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that. There's there's been there's been some of that pushback coming through. I saw a clip on Instagram. There was a community that was in Brooklyn where a couple guys came into this one street, and on the one street, all the people who lived on the street stepped up the door with baseball bats and said, get the fuck out of here. And you know what happened? They did. And yeah. because people who commit violence like that, they want their victims to be easy victims. Yeah. Think about it. You don't see anybody trying to storm the bases. Like, even in in Seattle oh, yeah. there, there's a couple of really big military installations in Seattle and for as insane as they've gotten downtown in Seattle where the police force is complicit you'll notice they don't go over to McCord or one of the uh, army bases and start that shit yeah no no no
0: well hey I got one more question for you and I know we've we've gone over your your time limit are you good for one more question I got one more question my man Awesome. Well, before I do, I'm going to take a quick little pee break and I'll be right back. Do your thing, buddy. All right. All right. You there? Yes, man. I'm sorry, dude. I was like, I was like, like hold out, like (laughs) don't piss. And I I just couldn't do it anymore, man. I I had to, I had to, I had to go. So, um, anyways, last, uh, last uh, thing, uh, I wanted to ask you, right? So I'm a genie, and you got three wishes, right, man? Like, what, what is, you know how this works? Can't ask for more wishes. Um, what, what, what are you gonna do? What, what are your three things that you would, you would like to um, effectively change, or wish for, or whatever? You, and it, and it can be nonsense too. You could, you could be like, I want a fucking boat because I want to go out on Lake Travis and fish. I don't, I, it, no holds barred. Go for it.
1: Uh, let's see. So I think if I could do the the Genie three snap things, um, you know what, I bet my first my first big genie snap would be snap my fingers, and everybody in the world is going to have to go take a big shit right now. I think that'd be funny. That was one of my favorite <laughs> soft parks when they did the brown noise and made everybody go poop their pants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'd be just to remind you that here's the deal. So, your first two to three years in life, the only thing you do is poop your pants. And, <laughs> and for some people, the last couple of years of their life, the only thing they're going to do is poop their pants. And as adults, it can be a great reminder. Uh. Bitch, you know, for the first 36 months of your life, the only thing you did was poop your pants and cry. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know uh, you know what I think probably uh, a real a real snap my fingers moment for a genie that I would have it would be uh, all the people that I know that have any kind of substantial like ongoing physical ailment. I would want it to be that I could snap their, my fingers and give them a set of guidelines to do to get out of their current situation. Not that they would be delivered, but to where they could know delivery. That'd be number one. Like for example, a lot of the mechanical pain issues that people have that ruin their life when I think about my own migraines. The only reason I was able to end up where I was at is because I had a belief system that the doctor was wrong because he's just a man, he's just a person. It's just his opinion even when he gets into his experience, it's still just his experience. And I had an idea that it could be better. And for every person I know that is in an ongoing pain instance, I really would love if they could at least have an idea that it could be different. Because most of the time when people have been told that, you know, this can never get better. How many people are, oh, you got a degenerative disc disease or something. Most of that is not even real. I think that'd be number one. And uh, the other big snap that I would probably do that I think would be just be great is if uh, everybody's TV was just fucking broke for a year, <laughs> I would really, if I could snap my fingers and make every TV in America just broke, mm-hmm. it, it can do some things, but it, it just get rid of, of all of your actors and your celebrities and all of your programming. Cause think like this, bro, the only reason most Americans would ever think that their life in America sucks is because their fucking TV told them that. Yeah. Because if they, if they'd been anywhere and done anything, they'd realize that even for you jerks that have never been to Mexico, just go down to, and I mean, real Mexico, Mm -hmm. not a resort behind Mm -hmm. the gate. Go to real Mexico where you'll meet people that they do their entire life on a monthly budget of two to $300. Yeah, They think their life is great.
2: Yeah, Um,
1: You know, like here, it's just, it's just, it's Every day I hear people bitch about how bad they think they've got it. And I just don't get to meet that many people that really got it bad other than bad mindset, bad attitudes, bad care for themselves. Those are the bags that I see. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I just I just don't feel sorry for anybody. And I don't think anybody should feel sorry for anybody, because as soon as we feel sorry for something, we, we start backing off on how much it should be their responsibility. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like a two-year-old, I don't feel bad for a two-year-old. I understand what a two-year-old can and cannot do. Yeah. So when your two-year-old can't do long division, you should not be upset because you don't feel bad for them that they can't do it because they can't do it. You don't feel bad for them when they won't wear their shoes because they're being disobedient, <clears throat> you know what I mean? It's, yeah,
0: it's a difference of, of, of um, feeling bad for someone and then redirecting the thought to understanding where that person is in life and why it's led them to this point to not be able to solve the problem of whatever sort.
1: All that. You know, uh, one of my favorite fictional characters was Lieutenant Dan in Forrest Gump. Yes, sir. And it's because out of all <laughs> the people in the movie, Lieutenant Dan did the most important transformation.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: he was the one who was full of pity and hatred and anger and at the end of the movie he was the one who was like the positive uplifted I can do it because I can do it and yep. and I feel like you know what I mean like like if, in some ways I Forrest Gump is kind of a funny movie because the main character doesn't actually have a transfer he he is Forrest Gump and he doesn't Forrest Gump doesn't change throughout the movie but everybody around him changes hmm and and like that's that's how I met for a lot of people like like man, whatever someone's circumstances is, I don't actually feel bad. I might say to them, oh buddy, that sucks. And all I really mean by that is I'm not willing to, to take any time to talk any truth with you because I don't think you're gonna listen to it. Yeah. But for most people, it's like, you know, we can either do this the easy way or the really easy way. The easy way is is that you are in America, if we're talking about an American. You mm-hmm. could change your whole thing up if you're willing to. Um, and the, the easy, easy thing is that all this is your fault, 100%. Mm-hmm. Because, because here's, the, here's the parting thought from you guys. Either everything is 100% your fault or it's 100% not your fault. And here's the difference. If it's not your fault, you probably can't change it. But if mm-hmm. it is your fault, you probably can change it. Yeah. So it's a lot... The, the easy, easy way to do life to me is to understand like, man, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna believe that things don't happen to me. They happen because of me one way or another, either, either my stupidity or my laziness created that it didn't just happen to me. Yeah. A lot easier to now do something with it than the idea of I do everything right. And bad stuff just happens to me. I haven't even met that person, by the way. I have not met the person that does just only great things and nothing bad ever happens to him. does not even exist. It's not even a real thing. <laughs> yep.
0: Well, you, you about ready to wrap this thing up?
1: You got I am, Any man, final before? thoughts? No, I'm, I feel good about today and I think we should do this more often.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. We should do this again. A hundred percent. Um, well, I, I appreciate, um, you coming on. Um, I, uh, yeah, this was great. Let's definitely do this again for sure.
1: I dig it. Well, um, jump off and then hit me up back on the cell for any other particulars you need.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sounds good. Well, I, I appreciate uh, having you on, man, and uh, take care of your bad self, and I will be <laughs> in touch. Be well, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. You too. Bye bye. all right votes hey thanks for uh tuning in what a success huh um a, uh i just want to give a shout out to a good friend of mine kelly brandon she has a charity called grace within me and i'm going to leave a link in the show notes and please go check it out she helps uh foster um children homeless uh, all kinds of great stuff go check it out and um Hey, uh, once again, thanks for tuning in and see you weirdos later.